Welcome to The Good Divorce Show. Not every divorce needs to end in disaster. It's time to see divorce in another perspective. Here to help with that is your host, Karen McNinney. Well, hi, listeners. Thanks for joining me today and saying hello to what has grown into thousands and thousands of people in just a short period of time all across the world. I think most recently we saw that we've got listeners in 16 different countries that just puts a smile on my face knowing that we are out there telling stories, new kinds of stories about divorce, not just the dark and the dismal and the destructive and the despair, all the Ds, um, which is not to say that a good divorce is an easy divorce. Um, in general, divorce is really challenging and one of the most significant uh, life-changing experiences that many of us will have. If you're joining us for the first time as a listener on The Good Divorce Show, um, also want you to know that today is just coffee talk with Coach Karen. Um, I'm going to be chatting with you specifically about our galaxy of friends and family members who swirl and surround us during the divorce experience and the kinds of things that we find helpful during this process, the things that are really unhelpful. Maybe you have a story of your community showing up for you um, in a really positive way. I would love to hear that. Maybe you've got questions and you can call in today at 866 866- 472-5788. Again, our Voice America hotline here is 866-472-5788. This episode today, I think is so relevant. And I hope those of you listening who are going through divorce, you might actually just pass this show on to friends and family and say, here, here this, I'm not sure how to articulate it, but Coach Karen has some highlights for you. And I was struck by how often I hear from folks that it's just hard to know how to help. I don't know what to say. I don't know what they need. I don't even know if they want to talk about it. And just the other day, I was sitting in a parking lot on the University of Montana campus. I live in Missoula, Montana, in the Rocky Mountain West. And I had opened my door and I was taking a moment and I wasn't quite getting out of the car yet. I was just having a sigh and thinking, and I had just had a difficult conversation with someone and I wasn't in tears. I wasn't even close to tears, but clearly there was an expression on my face and a woman was walking by headed to her car and she just stopped and she said, um, are, are you okay? Do you need anything? Are, are you good? And I was so delighted that she got up in my business. I mean, some people would be really put off, but honestly, I think we need a greater trend in society of checking in on each other. We have gotten so um so rigid towards uh, you know, popping in to see people, even picking up the phone to call. We we have so much distance between us in many ways and when people are going through difficult times, that's really when I when I believe we need to close the distance and and to reach out and connect. And we had a good laugh. I told her, oh no, I just had a difficult conversation. It was with my my um teenager who's getting ready to graduate from high school. And so we're having 
um, bumpity bump times. And um, I was just taking that in and, and she just gave me some words of reassurance and a smile and carried on. And, and that was really an, enough in that moment of support. And and then later that afternoon, I was on a dog walk and, and I like to listen to podcasts when I'm out walking or cleaning or working in the garden. And Hidden Brain with Shankar Vedantam is one of my favorite podcasts that you can find on probably any of your platforms. But this particular episode uh, titled A Secret Source of Connection from April 24th, um, and I'm going to just read to you the description because maybe it will trigger if you're looking for more of this information you will go and check out this episode and and what they highlight is that you know we all have these moments in our lives when we see someone who could you know use a helping hand um or just a word of insur- assurance like for me in that parking lot so maybe it's a friend who recently went through a breakup or an elderly person trying to load groceries under their car or just that stranger on the street who looks a little lost and And if you're like me, often in that moment, we tell ourselves, oh gosh, I should go and help them, but oh, maybe I don't want to be intrusive. Maybe I shouldn't help them. And and something stops us. So in that episode of Hidden Brain, psychologist Amit Kumar um, talks through and helps us to understand what keeps us from acting in that moment and what we can do to overcome that. So I'm going to take some of that research and those ideas and put it into the context of what we talk about here in The Good Divorce Show, which is how to help those, um, not only the individuals who might be going through the divorce, but also if there are children involved, what might be going on for them. And and then that extended family, friend, work group, et cetera. Let me paint a picture for you, if I may, of what's happening for the individual going through the divorce experience. And In fact, I was just chatting with a client this morning and I was reminded how difficult it is to to come out of what I refer to as the cave of shame. There is a lot of shame that comes with the divorce experience. Um, Society tells us often, oh, well, you failed. You got yourself into this mess. Good luck. Get yourself out. Or why aren't you trying harder? Or what did you do wrong? Or Oh, your children are going to forever suffer. And and again, I'm I, I'm kind of a myth buster. Maybe maybe that should be one of my new titles: the Good Divorce Coach, Myth Busting, um, One Hundred and One. And I want for those of you who are listening, who might be in the middle of that divorce journey, to recognize you are not broken, you are not wrong, and you're not a failure. You are a human experiencing a very complex experience and one that is hard to articulate, to describe. And on most days, most of us don't even want to talk about it, especially when we're fresh from the wounds. And and so we go into that cave of shame. And what we need is we need people to show up, our friends and family members. And that isn't necessarily show up and do group therapy with us. You don't need to be a social worker. You don't need to have a master's degree. You don't, you don't need anything other than a willingness to check in. And maybe that check-in is just 
sending a, a message. I'm, I'm thinking about you today, wondering what's going well, wondering what you might need. Um, I find open-ended questions are much more valuable. Uh, what can I do for you is very different than do you need help? And most of us, we're not good at asking for help and support. And we tend to not, um, you know, our answers, if someone asks us, do you need help? What is most often your answer going to be? Yeah, I'm, uh, no, I'm fine. I don't need anything. Um, because there is also this extraordinary uh, vigilance of independence, um, particularly here in the United States. But we've got people listening all over the world. And some of your cultures do better at the spirit of interdependence and not seeing that as a weakness, but seeing that as really a strength of community. And for those who have uh, worked with me in professional lives and have spent time following me over the decades, you know, I really do believe community is the cure. The cure to what? Everything. Absolutely everything. And what you might not realize is that friend or family member of yours, that coworker, maybe even that stranger or neighbor that you know is going through divorce, it is like, well, it is. It's it's a death. It's a death of a story, of the family that we knew, a relationship. And for those of you who have been with me through the podcast in the beginning of 2023, we've talked about ambiguous loss where there's an ending to something and yet part of it is still with you. So for instance, um, for any of our listeners who maybe lost a loved one, uh, you know, maybe they were a prisoner of war and their bodies were never recovered or someone who was lost. Gosh, we had a terrible, tragic story. Um, friends of our family recently who a young family member was out camping and with friends and, and they disappeared and we've still not been able to find the body and this person, whether they're deceased or alive. So divorce is similar in that one thing has ended. And if you're still raising kids, then you still have this other thing that lives on, which is that co-parenting relationship and the challenge between trying to have closure and at the same time, having to continue constant communication with this person that you're divorcing. So we take all of that complexity and we wrap it up and, and stick it inside the humanity that we are, this complex heart that holds on to lots of different feelings all at once. And that person on their nights when they're home alone, a phone call would go so far. Um, Chances are they're standing, if if they were anything like me, at the kitchen counter, eating chips and salsa for dinner. Maybe there's hummus that night. It might be extra special. Um, if you're listening and you're willing to share what divorce looks and feels like, maybe you are right in the thick of it, please uh, give a call, 866-472-5788. You can also find us online um, at the Good Divorce Coach or KarenMcNenny.com. Send me a message um, wanting to reach out. When I'm working with couples or individuals going through the divorce, one of the things that we do early on is we we try to identify who are 
Who are the individuals that are in your closest circle? Those that that would show up for you in a heartbeat, but maybe they don't know how. And so part of this research that was shared on uh, Shankar Devantam's Vedantam's uh, podcast, Hidden Brain, talks about this social connection and that we often underestimate the impact. Like that woman start stopping in the parking lot with me. To her, that was a 90-second exchange that she probably forgot as soon as she got in her car and drove away. However, it had an extraordinary impact on me. And that's one of the research um, learnings is that we underestimate our act of kindness versus the impact that it's having on the person on the receiving end. And I'll tell you what, it does not take much to be a hero. It does not take much to be a hero. I had an individual um, in my life as I was going through the divorce, we'll call her Abigail, which is easy because that's her name. Hello out there, wherever you may be, Abigail. And Abigail had gone through her own, you know, life's journey and challenges. And she found that she had not only emotional capacity, but she had actual physical time on her hands. And the weekend that my former spouse and I moved into two separate homes, which involved him moving out of our primary family home, which left that home where I was staying at the time and would for a couple of years, kind of looking like it had been robbed. You know, um, you end up with half as much of everything in some rooms, totally empty and um, pictures on the wall that might be gone. And Abigail just showed up for me. She showed up with food and beverage and wine and weed and anything that we might need in order to move through that evening. And for me, it was a little bit of all of those things. In fact, she was with me through most of the weekend. We cleaned the house top to bottom, which I would not have had the energy to do myself. I barely had enough energy to get out of bed, let alone get out of the house. And and I'm a pretty lively person. You know, this was 12 years ago. However, it it feels so real in my head because that kind of pain and darkness stays with you. And I walked into my home and looked around at everything that had now been moved permanently. And it wasn't about the stuff. It was about the story and knowing that now we were forever going to be a family that lived and existed across two homes. And Abigail was there and she played the music and she had the energy and she had ideas and and we rearranged, we re-nested and she just gave me enough hope and buoyancy to know that when my kids came back home that Sunday night, they maybe wouldn't actually notice that there were a lot of things missing because we re-nested and, and they did, they walked in and they went, oh, mom, you painted. Oh, and, and look, now we've, we've got the couch over here and the dining room table over there. And oh, mom, you rearranged your bedroom. You know, there were things that I needed to do in that space to make it feel like my own. And 
uh, release some of the ghosts of the marriage and the relationship as we re-imprinted our own life. And I know that I would not have made it through that weekend, that move out, and that re-nesting if I had not had just one person, one person who I hadn't even been friends with for that long, although we had a deep and, and at times complicated friendship, she showed up. So to all of you out there listening in support of those who might be navigating the difficult divorce or those who might be on the other side of it, and that you can pay it forward to someone else who might just need you to show up in whatever way you can. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to give you some very specific examples of how you can show up as a family member, as a friend, and as part of the good divorce community. Stay with us. Don't hesitate to call in 866-472-5788. Stay with us. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for joining me today. As we reach out with a message to our friends and family who are watching the divorce go down and some do's and don'ts 
for those folks and also ways for those of us that are going through it, um, how to ask for help. Gosh, it's so hard to do. However, when we do so, not only do we give permission for others to ask for help, but we fill their blank. We, we are their bank. Um, that emotional bank. We There's lots of research and it is not new news that when we are giving and helping others, it rejuvenates us as well. It ends up feeling more like blessing and less like burden for most of us. So I encourage you always, not just in the story of divorce, but always looking for ways. If we can give, give. If you can help, help. Just find kindness and goodness in the world where possible. I recently got an email uh, from a friend. We share a community, a larger community of friends, and they were putting together a meal train because this family had a new baby. So of course, I don't cook. I melt, I chop, I assemble. Those are my superpowers in the kitchen. However, I'm a great shopper and I will dash right over to the closest Costco, good food store, Whole Goods, Whole Foods, um, and I will buy up the place and deliver food to my friends. But I got to thinking, they're having a baby. Yes, there's a meal train. I know families, when they maybe have had a death in the family, meal train. When there's surgery and recovery, meal train. And if for some reason, um, you're not familiar with meal train, uh, it, it is it, there. And there's a number of platforms online, but it's a way that you can organize for meals to be delivered to friends in need. And I don't know if it's happened. And I'm a little embarrassed to say I've not initiated it, but I haven't come across anyone initiating a meal train for someone who's going through divorce. And as I said in our earlier segment, there's a lot of times where we're just, uh, we, the, the collective we of divorced folk are standing around alone in our kitchen, eating whatever's in the pantry and left over in the fridge that hasn't gone green. There is this interesting domestic rhythm that happens, particularly if you are raising children across two homes and, um, and that they're coming and going. And in the coming weeks, the house is probably full of food. You're cooking meals, you're sitting down, you're preparing and you're maybe even having friends over with their kids as well and having picnics and barbecues. And then the kids leave and they go to their other home with their other parent. And the silence can be so deafening, so loud. And there's a lot less motivation to cook for one. At least for me, there is. Not to mention there is this strategic approach to grocery shopping. You know, when I've got my kids here and now they're teenagers, which means they usually come in packs of four or five or six uh, additional teenagers, which I love. I love the activity. I love them having slumber parties. I love putting together big snack trays and feeding them and then they all disappear. That's the time to really be aware of what's going on for our friends in divorce. And we'll see them and they'll be lit up when they're kids. They'll be driving them to soccer, going to the concerts. Um, it's easier to show up. And, and knowing that even when you extend an invitation to our divorced friends, like for me, if someone were inviting me, especially early on, 
but I didn't have my children, it was hard for me to go to those parties if they were full of other children. I love everybody's children, but it was hard for me to agree to go on the camping trip with, you know, family friends who have kids the same age if I didn't have my kids or even to a birthday party or a, a gathering in the park. There's something that just hurt even more deeply to see the other children and to not be there with mine. I, I felt their absence even more. So have a sensitivity to that. Um, at the same time, I have a uh, a friend who has recently divorced and, and they're empty nested as well, right? Divorce and children leaving kind of all cumul uh, accumulating at the same time, culminating at the same time. And so for her, getting an invitation to go to a soccer game, to go to a ballet concert, a program at the show is the just the perfect thing. It gives her an opportunity to be in kid energy. It's a little bit of a throwback um, for those of us with older kids. Um, it's fun to go to the elementary school and watch the Christmas program or the soccer game where everybody just chases the ball and hasn't quite figured out what individual positions are yet. Um, it can be a delight and, and that's going to change over time. So be aware of that. I also want you to think about you know, if you're not going to organize a whole meal train, like showing up with a bag of groceries or a casserole goes a long way to say, I'm thinking about you. I care. And as divorced folks, we don't as often, at least in my case, and for those who maybe are sharing 50-50 custody, um, I didn't need childcare. That was not the thing I needed so much because I was already you know, half time with my kids. And so I didn't really want to share them. I think this was highly disappointing to my grandparents or my parents, my children's grandparents, because they did a lot of babysitting for us when we were unified under one home. But once we separated, then, you know, I had 50% of time to, to, to see my friends, to recreate, to go on trips, to get the grocery shopping, to run the errands when the children weren't in my care. What I really needed was people to show up and be with me. Oh my gosh, I am thinking of one day, and this was still in the tender part of the getting divorced, not yet divorced. Dad had moved out. And sometimes this pain and sadness would just hit me and I'm home alone and literally on the bathroom floor. You know, that terrible feeling where you're you're crying so hard and then you're crying so hard you vomit and and then you're just dry heaving because you've just about cried and puked every bit of liquid out of your body and you think you have and then there's just more and i am literally in a puddle of sadness and despair and i hear my front door open and i think oh i've got to get myself put together who's coming and we and that's not unusual either i have kind of an open door policy in my neighborhood in my house that's the life i live and I hear someone coming up the stairs. I don't know if it's going to be one of um, a caregiver or a neighbor, but as it turns out, it's my mom. Of course, I think parents, moms and dads, it could have just as easily been my dad. In this case, it was my mom who lives across town and she just had an intuitive hit and she was out running errands and she thought, I'm, I'm just going to pop in and, and see Karen. I'm just going to go check in for no reason, didn't call ahead just showed up. And she walked up the stairs and into the bathroom and found me there 
on the bathroom floor. And the most beautiful thing, oh, it makes me a little teary-eyed. The most beautiful thing my mom did is, one, she didn't try to take my feelings away. Two, she, you know, wasn't trying to make it better. In fact, she didn't say anything. She just got down on the bathroom floor with me. Let me kind of curl up like an oversized kid right into her arms. And she just held me. And I wept and I wept. But at least now I wasn't crying alone because the only thing worse than crying and crying and crying is crying alone. Um, and sometimes that's exactly what we need. But there was such a gift in just being held and knowing that I didn't have to explain it. I didn't have to articulate anything. We didn't have to have a conversation about it. She just held me. And if there is a part of you that can offer that up, that can show up in that way, I have a client right now and their parent um, is kind of doing the opposite of that. <laughs> I am sad to report. And rather than the holding, I've got you, I'm with you, I'm sad with you, right? That that full empathy. Um their parent is, why are you doing this? You need to figure it out. You don't understand how terrible it's going to be. Wait till you get the lawyers involved. Um, really un unhelpful. And what they don't realize is that they're using the collaborative divorce approach, which is an agreement to never go to court in that process. They're working with me as a divorce coach so that we don't escalate situations. We don't move towards high conflict when I'm working with a couple. We spend many months working on the new relationship unraveling. And I wanna say to those grandparents out there that are concerned about your children and fearful, become educated. And I and I think in this day and age, I'm, I'm in my 50s, my parents are in their 80s. They've been married 60 plus years that there's also, you know, a generational shift of what we were willing to do in our relationships previously and those who just stayed and sat in unhappy marriages, in unhappy places at the expense of themselves, and then have an expectation that the next generation will do the same and the next generation after that. And I, as you know, I am not pro-divorce. I am pro-healthy relationships whether that's in or out of a marriage. And we can have healthy, vibrant relationships outside in our divorce relationship, um, not on like, and often better. You know, you've heard me say it before, listeners, we get divorced to improve the relationship. That's why we're leaving the marriage because there's something about it that is so broken and so diseased, right? That we need to do something to change it. And we don't get divorced to make it worse. That's a terrible idea. Although that's what many of us, go out and do. We make it worse. Or we involve lawyers or family members who oh, can hear me getting all wrapped up and worked up about this, who decide that this needs to be a war. And it doesn't. Grandparents, of course you worry about your grandchildren. And I want you to also be really thoughtful about how you protect your grandchildren from the complexity 
of divorce, that we do not burden them with the story, that our grandchildren don't sit in our home as grandma and grandma talk about one of their parents, right? Probably the former brother, sister, um, daughter, or son-in-law. Be aware of what the children are also overhearing. And in the same way that I encourage parents to protect their children from those conversations and the challenges, I also encourage grandparents to protect their grandchildren from the challenges. And to remember, it is in the best interest of the children to have strong, healthy, vibrant, connected relationships with both parents, barring obviously abuse, inappropriate behavior, et cetera. Um, there are plenty of examples out there here on The Good Divorce Show. We really focus on the families that are wanting to do it differently and to help you to see that there is a path in partnership with friends, with grandparents, even with our siblings who might, again, another client just recently said, I was talking with my brother and they're like, you better go get your shark lawyer now because it's all going to go down the toilet. And I said, no, it doesn't need to go that way. And you don't need to get your shark lawyer. We will find the right team to help you reach the outcome that you want. So a couple things to think about as we head into the break. Grandparents, you have the same set of rules as the parents. What is in the best interest of the children? And don't let them hear conversations that are only going to feel like burden, not blessing. Friends and family, think about um, showing up with groceries, thinking about showing up just to, to let them know they're not alone. Um, starting a meal train. Is there projects at the house where what they need is not so much child care, but they need domestic care. They need help. Hire a cleaner for those individuals and send them to their house to do a deep clean. Um, give certificates for, for massage or hotel nights away, even a staycation. There's so many ways. All you need to do is think about if I had a family member who recently had a death or a surgery or a new baby and all the ways that we wanted to be able to support them, we can also do that for those that are going through divorce. So with those things on mind, uh, maybe you have a testimonial, maybe you have a request, maybe you have a way, um, that you would encourage other people to show up for you. I would love to hear about any of those things or taking your questions. We've got a few listener questions coming in today. And when we come back from the break, I am going to talk a little bit about what happens when the good divorce goes too good and you're the new partner and having difficult feelings um, about your new partner and the relationship they're having with their former spouse. We're also going to talk a little bit about um, the distinction between deception and uh, discretion when it comes to conversations with our children. Thanks again for joining me, listeners. This is Karen McNenny, your Good Divorce Coach. Feel free to reach out today, 866-472-5788. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello, listeners around the world. Thanks so much for joining me here today. It's Coffee Talk with Coach Karen, answering your questions and focusing today in particular on the community of people, the galaxy of individuals that surround us during the divorce experience. And maybe you are listening as someone contemplating divorce in the middle of it. Maybe you're on the other side of it and you're in recovery. Maybe this episode has been sent to you by someone going through divorce. Um, because you are a close friend or family member and and they're looking for help and support. And that that's the main thing that I want you to hear is that when people going through divorce disappear, that is not necessarily a sign of leave me alone. It's usually a sign of, I don't know how to show up. I don't know that I want to show up. I don't know that I want to go out in public to any event just so that 10 people in the course of 30 minutes can ask me, how is it going? What's new? And the last thing we want to talk about is our divorce in those sort of public settings. At the same time, there might be a private moment in a space where we absolutely need to process and talk about our divorce. So I'm really kind of raising the bar on all of you who are the witnesses who often think, oh, I wish I could help. I don't know how to help show up ask those open-ended questions. What do you need this week? How's it going? What's one thing I could do today to make your life easier? Are there three errands I can run on your behalf? Being very, very specific is much more helpful than do you need anything? Yes or no question. Are you doing okay? Sure. Fine. 
right? We need to leave a little more space in order to connect with the individual themselves. And recognizing, uh, for those of you who are parents to children whose friends are going through divorce, right? Because it's not just the couple getting divorced. It is actually the grandparents, the friends, the community, might even be the business if you own business together. Um, But also those younger friends, for those of you who have kids that are maybe elementary school age, and you want to organize a play date. You want to still get together with them. I think sometimes there's almost a retractive experience of pulling back from families going through divorce or that are divorced because it feels awkward. We don't know how to talk about it. So we don't do anything that don't do that. Be brave, lean in. And when you are reaching out and you might be thinking, gosh, I know this happened to me. People are like, well, I don't even know where the kids are. I don't know which house they're at. I don't know what their schedule is. Well, guess what, friends, family, you don't have to be in charge of that and you don't need to know. You just need to send the message to both parents that says, hey, this weekend we're going fishing and wondering if your son wanted to join us. And then the co-parents, they'll figure it out. Or they'll write away and say, oh, yes, our daughter is over at mom's house this weekend. And I'm not sure what their schedule is. Or that mom will chime in and say, oh, yes, she's with me this weekend. And we are free in the afternoon and she would love to go fishing with you. Whatever it might be, the difference between not doing anything because I'm not sure what to do versus just doing something. So that's a very tactical. Go ahead, communicate, send the text message to both parents, and they will let you know. Those co-parents living across two homes, they'll let you know what the kids are up to and where they're at, and they'll sort it out themselves, particularly if they have a good divorce, if they have borrowed some of the advice that we share here on the Good Divorce Show. Also, there's no need to pick sides. There just isn't. And I know that there may be an affinity. Maybe you were friends with one of the parents before the divorce or one of your friends. And, and, And there are relationships that just erode and evaporate. We understand that. But thinking about, is there any viable good reason why I need, even if we're not going to talk about, oh, I'm picking sides, you know, maybe, maybe that's a neutral act, but the, the greater concern to me as your good divorce coach is when our friends and family become adversarial, like overtly adversarial towards our former spouse or their family members you know, the children share that entire family. And chances are, even if you feel more kindred towards one of the divorcing parties, you very well may end up in the grocery store, at a party, walking down the street, in the neighborhood, and running into the other parent, the other individual from the divorce story. And we all wonder What is my ex-spouse saying about me? Oh, everyone probably hates me now. Oh, he's probably told all sorts of terrible stories. Oh, I bet she just went on and on and on and turned everyone against me. Like, trust me, when I say we have busy brains, they are so exhausting. It's so busy in there. And all the stories we're telling ourselves. And that's part of what puts us in the cave of shame is we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed what our former spouse maybe has shared about our divorce process, our history, our our intimate and private personal information. 
So again, when I'm working with couples as a coach, that's one of the agreements that we have, right? Do no more harm to each other, our family, or our community at large. And if you are in that larger community, you can just say something kind, have a warm gesture. I recently was helping a a dear friend going through divorce, and I know mom and dad, and I ran into mom, and she probably half expected me to turn away, scowl, give her the cold shoulder, but I could feel that she didn't turn away first, and I just walked right up to her, just said, I'm thinking of all of you, and in particular, your children, and all the support that we give to each of you, we know is passed on to your children, because they're the ones who need to have strong, healthy parents who are both thriving. And we had a hug and a smile and a connection. And we didn't have to say it. It was just felt that there's no hard feelings. Nobody's to blame. Nobody wants to be in this story. We're just going to move forward. And those of us in the outer circle, we don't need to focus on the past any more than the divorcing folks need to so focus on the past. I also just heard of a story. Okay. I'm going to confess. I was connected to this story. Um, another friend who's just come out the other side of a divorce, still pretty raw, pretty hard, a lot of financial concern has some rental property that was in the midst of being renovated. And when he called me, His MO was, I'm probably going to have to sell the property, which was going to be my income through rentals and Airbnb and declare bankruptcy. Um, I don't really have much to offer. My children are probably getting tired of hanging out with me in my depressed state. And, you know, who knows what it was. It was dark day, very dark days. And those of us that have walked through the valley, we know how dark it can get. And I just paused with my friend and I said, but what if you didn't have to sell it? (laughs) What if you didn't have to declare bankruptcy? What if you could hang on to that investment that you've already had for two years and put so much money into and that it could still become your income source so that you can still provide a wonderful home and vibrant life for your children? And his response was pretty typical. Yeah, I get it, Karen. That would be awesome and impossible. And I said, but what if it weren't impossible? And that's part of my job as a divorce coach is to say, but what if, what is it that we want? What could we envision? And what we got clear about was, well, even if I could do some work on the outside, maybe I could sell it for more. And if maybe I could get one of the apartments that I stripped down, renovated, I could I could get that rented and and then I would at least have some income and then I could renovate the other ones and get the whole place rented. Well, that conversation culminated in what became 10 days, 12 friends, and basically a barn raising. Friends flew in from out of state. They drove 100 miles away. They took vacation days. They took time off from their own spouses and children and activities and businesses to show up. And it was a glorious 10 days. I wasn't able to be there for every day, but I made three appearances throughout the week, grabbed a nail gun, was a runner to the hardware store, painted some walls, 
I am a sucker for a project. I got to tell you, I love a project. And what was more amazing is this community of friends that have traveled together. They've been roommates. Some of those friendships go back 20, 25 years. They were all so freaking delighted to show up and have their vacation working on this big rental project. Music going, sharing meals, potlucking, going out, soaking in the hot springs, staying up late. And not only did I see my divorcing friend get the lights turned on in his life in every way and to see a possibility, but I saw this community, the dirty dozen who showed up, who were just celebrating their community, having their joyful time in such a way that now that group, they're committed that every spring will kick off a day of service to someone in their community. And they're saying, well, I wonder what next year will be. I wonder where we'll go. I wonder what project we'll work on. And we all sat there and kind of looked at each other and we said, well, we don't know yet because we don't know who will be in need, who will need us most. And so I'm here to tell you, it is not selfish to ask for help. It is not selfish to bring your community together. It is a gift to those of us who get to serve, who get lit up. The energy is reciprocal. And there were so many people who gathered together because honestly, our friend who was going through the divorce, they did not have the capacity or even the vision to see what could be possible. It was up to those of us who recovered, I would say probably, mm, I don't know, 70% of the people who were there who've been through divorce, right? It's just our way of paying it forward. And I know that he will rise above this challenge. I know that he will be a, a loving, kind, providing father to his children. And that when he is able and willing and the call comes, he will show up and pay it forward as well. Already has, right? It's a circle. We all just keep giving. So don't be shy to show up and don't be shy about receiving generosity. I have a personal policy. To the best of my ability, I will always say yes when someone offers help. And it might be unloading groceries out of my car or getting groceries in my car or holding the door while I carry the groceries in. From the minuscule to the very big, I do not deny people the opportunity <laughs> to provide service because that's what we need more of in this world is more service to one another. Well, I had a couple of things that I wanted to address before we close out the show today. Some questions that have come in from listeners. One was this, what happens when the good divorce was too good? And this is coming from uh, a new partner and their uh, future spouse now uh, has a wonderful relationship with their ex-wife in such a way that ex-wife still sees mother-in-law. They have a very close relationship, which was certainly the case with me and my in-laws. I call, you know, the in-laws become outlaws, uh, but those people are special. And so I, I mentioned to her, this friend, as I heard her talk about what really were insecurities, um, feeling like maybe my partner still feels too close to their former spouse. 
and trying to identify that it's not a matter of we have to turn that light switch off in order for this new light switch to turn on. They can all kind of be dimmer switches, right? And we can turn the light up and turn it down in different ways. And the beautiful thing about love and relationship and community is we can turn everyone's lights up at the same time. We don't actually have to turn lights out on each other. So if you are a new partner coming into a good divorce, really just stopping and thinking about what is it that is troubling me here? And maybe there's issues around boundaries and codependency and something unhealthy going on there, but let's you know be sensible about that. But it also might just be that you don't have to have your lights turned off with your new partner just because they're still having communication, relationship appropriately with the, you know, in this case, the mother to his daughter. Um, so we'll, we'll maybe explore that more down the way. I, I also just wanted to plant a seed today because this question has come up again recently with a listener who says, well, I don't want to lie to my kids about the new relationship, or I don't want to lie to my kids. You know, some folks who are, you know, knowing they're going to get divorced, they're working on all of the decision-making and they're like, we don't, we don't want to lie. We can't lie. We got to tell our kids everything all the time. And I, I always remind you, like, we do not tell our kids everything all the time, even when we're married. So my challenge to you this week, listeners, is to really think about the difference between deception and discretion. And deception is when we are overtly withholding information that would be valuable to the other person, or we're ensconcing information in lies and, and deceit, right? We, we can know what that looks and feels like. Whereas discretion is making an informed adult choice about what information to share and when to share it. And always keeping in mind, as I share this information, will it do harm? And is it value added to the situation at hand? Happy to be sending you away with a few things to think about this week, not only to my listeners who are going through divorce, but to that whole big, beautiful, vibrant community supporting them. Thank you for reaching out to all of us in our divorce journey. We need you. Don't disappear. Call the meal train. Call for the play date. Show up. Don't ask about the divorce. Just ask what they're binging on Netflix. Have a great week, listeners. This is Karen McNenny, your good divorce coach. Stay tuned. Find me online, and we'll chat again next week. Remember, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Good Divorce Show. We hope today's episode has helped you find a kinder, more sensible, and less expensive path through the divorce journey. Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.